If you followed along in, our, in the Pew Bible, you saw the title to this uh, psalm. It's of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that they drove him out and he went away. The story of this uh, originates actually in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21, verses 10 to 12. It really begins even before that. Uh, David is fleeing Saul. Uh, if you remember and, and look, King Saul was very jealous of David. And his jealousy grew to the extent that he actually wanted David dead. So Saul is pursuing David. David realizes he needs to flee. And he flees to the city of Gath. Uh, Gath is one of the five major cities of Philistine. And he ends up before king, the king of Gath, King Achish. Just a side note uh, so that there's no confusion. The title, as I said, is of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. So they drove him out and went away. I just referred to King Achish. Abimelech can be translated king. So in Philistine, we see Abimelech or we see king. So King Ahish, same thing. So there's no confusion there. Just wanted to make that clear. The Bible does not contradict itself. So David flees to Gath. He ends up standing before the Philistine king Achish. The Philistines in Israel were mortal enemies. Remember David and Goliath? Goliath was a Philistine. It's strange then that David flees to Philistine territory. And it wasn't long before King Achish's court began to be concerned about David's being there. They had heard of David's prowess as a soldier among the Israelites. They sang, the, the Israelites sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. We read therefore in 1 Samuel, David was very much afraid of King Achish, king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. King Achish was very reluctant to have anything to do with somebody who was mad or insane. Uh, maybe he was afraid that this insanity was contagious. Maybe he was afraid that there was superstition surrounding craziness. So David was released. David ends up at the cave of Adullam. Adullam can be translated a couple of ways. Adullam may be an actual cave, it may be a series of caves, or it may be a stronghold. Either way, at Adullam, David hides from both Saul and King Achish, and gradually David's family, friends, and his loyal subjects begin to gather with him. Eventually, this number's about 400. From here, David regroups. He even resumes his attacks on the Philistines when he hears about some Philistines who have been fighting and looting in Kali, a city in Judah. During this time at Adullam, David and his men continue to have to elude King Saul, and it is here that David writes, scribes, Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a song written as a tribute to God God's saving protection of David from Abimelech. It's a good reminder and teaching from a righteous man, a man after God's own heart, David, on the character of God and what this means regarding our interactions with God as believers. We can take several things from this psalm, but I want to focus on just three. Praise of God, which we see in the first section in the psalm. Second and next, our theme for this service God wants us to take refuge in him. And third, I want to look at David's comment in verse 11. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
A couple things to note. These takeaways are all linked together. They are interconnected. You really cannot have one without the other. One of the purposes they serve is to give us an insight on the character of God. These also require an action on our part, a response to God's character. They are things, expectations we need to do as followers of God. Praise, taking refuge in God, and teaching, talking to others about the fear of the Lord. So let's dive in. David has just been saved from certain death, whether at the hands of Saul or Abimelech, you can really take your pick. The first thing David does in this psalm, this song, is he praises God. Me? I probably would have just said a prayer of thanks, but David goes to praise. In fact, I think if I had to pick a weakness in my prayer time, I would say it is praise. I often thank God for his provisions, grace before a meal, Lord, thank you for this food. As a teenager and even in college and seminary, when I took tests, Lord, thank you for helping me get through this test. Thank you for helping me recall this information. I thank Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross. Lord, thank you for dying for my sake, for restoring my relationship with God, for taking on my sins. I thank the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance. As a parent, thank you for helping me deal with this difficult situation with my children. And as a worker, thank you, Lord, for giving me the right words to deal with this conflict over, you name it. But praise, that is one thing that is difficult for me to do. Particularly praise of God, I just find it really difficult to do. However, praise of God is very important. Praise, in very simple terms, is an act of complimenting and admiring. As one writer put it, whereas thanksgiving focuses on benefits bestowed to us, praise focuses on the character of God and our love for him. I like praise. Everyone does. If you play a sport and you kick a goal, how wonderful is it to hear, man, you have a great leg, what a great shot. If you play music, Ryan, you played so beautifully today, you didn't miss a note. That was really a good presentation you made in class today. You made nuclear astrophysics very simple. <laughs> wow, your children are so well behaved. And finally, I want you to remember this one. Jim, that was a great sermon today. <laughs> but God doesn't need our praise to feel good about anything. But we are commanded to praise God. Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to, into his courts with praise. Romans 15, 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. So why praise? Why is our offering to praise to God commanded and needed? Well, praise gives us a deeper understanding and appreciation of who God is. I want to take a look at a, a story, a very simple story, doing laundry. I have been told in my house, actually ordered in my house a number of times by my family, even as recently as last week, that the only laundry I am allowed to do is my own. I have turned white shirts pink. I have permanently set stains into expensive clothing with the dryer and I have shrunken numerous sweatshirts and sweaters with both the washer and the dryer. 
So even though I want to help, and I will sometimes sneak a uh, load of clothes into the washer or the dryer that I see in the basement, I hear that horrible cry, Dad, did you put my clothes in the dryer? You know you're not supposed to do laundry. Mom said, but let's say my family did allow me to do their laundry for them again. They could and they should say, thank you, Dad, for doing my laundry. But praise is different as this gets deeper into who I am, what I can do, and what I am about. It could sound something like this. Dad, you did a great job folding my laundry. It looks so nice and neat and will fit my drawers without creases. Or Jim, your sorting skills of putting my sweaters on the drying rack instead of the dryer were superb. They still fit. Praise addresses one's abilities, attributes, and character. Giving praise to God brings us closer and connects us to God as we consider and focus on his character, his attributes, and his abilities. I want to repeat that. Giving praise to God brings us closer and connects us to God as we consider and focus on his character, his attributes, and his abilities. When we praise God, it also presents us a way to speak to others about who God is. David declares, we need to exalt his name together. What a better way to bring people to God and get to know him than to talk about his praises. How will people know about Jesus Christ if we do not praise all that he is? Will not people have a better understanding and realize and see the work of the Holy Spirit if we give praises? Therefore, David starts off with praise. As he writes, praise should be continual. We should praise God with our mouths and with our souls, for God is awesome and amazing. Praise reminds us and refocuses us on who God is. In verse 8, David says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he is, isn't he? We should praise him all the time. Dr. Arno Gabelin, a commentator on the book of Psalms, writes this. True spirituality manifests itself in praising the Lord, to praise him at all times, in good days and in evil days, in days of prosperity and days of adversity, in days of health and in days of illness, at all times, reveals his grace in the believer's life. So if we desire to please the Lord, let us make him boast let us make him our boast, our glory. You see there from what he wrote, praise takes action. It's not passive. During your prayer time, is there a time of praise? What are your prayer praises like? Are you actively praising God to others? Are you seeking and knowing God well enough to praise him? When we look at the focus of David's praises, what I see is an emphasis on God's compassion and care. These praises are directed particularly around God's safe delivery of David and around the God that actually does something like that. This moves us into what I see as an important and connecting verse in the Song of David. The second half of verse 8. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. David knows that God is personal. God cares about David and has compassion for him and is there for him. 
And David makes mention of this in a number of verses in our psalm. Listen to these. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around them, those who fear him, and he delivers him. Verse 10. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. God cares about David. God cares about us. God pays attention to those who call him. God wants us to take refuge in him. That's our second point. It's interesting looking at David's escape from King Saul. It's not clear whether God directed David to go into Philistine territory or as some biblical commentators think, that David just ran from, from Saul out of fear, not looking to God, and in his sin, he ended up in another precarious predicament in front of King Achish. Regardless, though, at some point, David does take refuge in God. David may not have followed God's wishes, but God delivered him when David sought refuge and help. David recognizes this and praises God and writes the psalm, Psalm 34. Taking refuge in God brings focus off of ourselves and back to God, to this God who is the master of the universe and the Lord of our life. Here are the words of Jesus roughly a thousand years later. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Taking refuge in God reconnects us to that relationship that God wants with us. I want to share a story with you. Uh, I will admit it's not the best story, but it's a story of a time that I took refuge in God. And, and I hope that you will see that although I wasn't in a life-threatening situation, this story I think will get the point across about what it means to take refuge in God. It's about the day I lost my pen. Now, this, time, this pen I used to carry with me all the time. It's a cross pen. Um, it helped me remember things. It helped me keep track of my life. This was my favorite pen. One day, I couldn't find it. I was so upset. I went around the house for about 20 minutes looking for it. I knew it was in the house, someplace in our, our area here in the house, and I just couldn't find it. I was getting very frustrated and very angry, and I just... After a while, I just couldn't think anymore, logically. Uh, I was so frustrated. I was completely governed by and lost in my emotions about this pen. I was so angry that I had to make sure that my entire family knew that I had lost this pen. I was not thinking rationally or logically. My focus was just on finding a pen. Finally, my daughter Ashley said, Dad, have you prayed about this? So I did. I took refuge in God, and I was amazed at the change I felt when I turned to God. Logic came back. My emotions settled down. I was no longer a raving lunatic who had lost a pen. But taking refuge in God, my priorities were reconnected in who I was to be in Christ. That is what taking refuge in God did. That's what turning to God did. Oh yeah, and I found my pen within minutes. It was under the seat of my car, which I had looked twice before. This story helped teach me a lesson 
on turning to God in my difficulties. Whether we are overwhelmed by emotion, in a deep struggle, confronting a fear, whether we feel broken or in a life-threatening situation, God wants us to take refuge in him. This is not necessarily so we can get, rid, get relief from the situation, but it's just so that we can turn into the arms of his comfort and rely on his strength and his steadfast love. Pastor Tracy touched upon this two weeks ago when he talked about the dark night of the soul and turning to God. This is exactly what Psalm 34 is about. David was at a very low point. He was literally facing death and he turned to God for refuge, which is what God wants us to do. For it is at times like this when we need to remember God's faithfulness and take refuge in him. When we take refuge in God, it doesn't necessarily mean our prayers will be answered in the way we want. But as one pastor wrote, as we walk in godly fear, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, and make the Lord our refuge, his eyes are always upon us and his ears open to our cry. We take refuge in God's steadfast love. With God, we are never alone. In verse 6, David writes, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David still had to live in a cave for a bit. He was no longer in a palace, but he took refuge in God, and he had his life, and he had God. Moving on in this psalm, David then makes an interesting move. Although this psalm song is written to God and to others to hear, in verse 11, he makes it clear he wants to teach. This psalm becomes a means to teach his group of 400 about the fear of the Lord, our third point. David understands that the fear of the Lord is crucial to his faith, to our faith, for it puts him, David, and us in our rightly place before God. We could spend several sermons talking about the fear of the Lord, but I just want to give some brief comments and let David's teaching do the rest. Fearing the Lord means appreciating his character. It means being reverent and in awe of his holiness. Fear of the Lord is understanding his hatred of sin and realizing our need to move toward belief, trust, and obedience. Fear of the Lord, like praise and taking refuge in God, is also an action. We need to do something. And David took this to a slightly new and different level when he decided to teach others, tell others about the fear of the Lord. This is how important it is to him. He wanted to teach others. In verse 11, he says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This concept, the fear of the Lord, is critical for David. He realizes it needs to be the core foundation, the grounding for his crew, his people, and ultimately his nation. For fear of the Lord links all that he is saying together. Praise, right living, taking refuge in God, they are all interconnected with the fear of the Lord in this beautiful psalm. As we read and meditate on David's teaching in verse 12 and 12 to 22, we see some wonderful promises for us as we live in God. He will take care of us. Hear these words. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. 
Verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And in the final verse, verse 22, we see a pointing to Jesus Christ's work on the cross. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. As we understand and live this fear of the Lord and translate it into praise and taking refuge in God, we need to tell others. For we have an amazing God worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. This is the God of David. This is our God. Like David, consider all that God has done for you. Take and make time to praise him thereby, also getting to know him better. And teach others. Take refuge in him. God wants us to take refuge in him. And how comforting it is to have a God who wants us to take refuge in him. Jesus emphasizes this in the Gospel of Matthew when he says these, these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us pray. Lord God, you pr we praise you for your faithfulness and your steadfast love. You understand our desires and our needs even better than we do. You hear our prayers and our cries for help even when we do not ask and you answer. May your spirit fill us and move us to seek you in our times of trouble, suffering and hurt. Guide us into your loving arms. Keep us safe from evil and work your purposes through us as we set our eyes on you. May we continually praise your name and boast in you so that everyone will know your name. Amen.